Hi everyone, my name's Damien Shibaris and I'm a vegan videographer and filmmaker based in Torquay in the southwest of England and I recently joined the Vegan Business Tribe to such a warm welcome. What a supportive and wonderful community it really is with some fantastic businesses from all around the world. Plus, David and Lisa lead the sessions really, really well and bring with them so much knowledge. There's so much to get involved in, from the networking sessions to the business clinics. There's some fantastic resources on the website. So if you have a vegan business, I highly recommend that you get involved. And we started there with a few words from Vegan Business Tribe member Damien Skiberis from Short Stop Video. And as he said, he's a vegan ethical videographer and filmmaker based in the UK. And Damien is an amazing guy and also an amazing member. He's been really throwing himself into the business clinics and the live sessions that we run over at Vegan Business Tribe. And since we're starting with some shout outs, a lot of you have been reaching out recently to tell us how much you've been enjoying this podcast and a special mention has to go to dana burton from vegan kids because she's binge listened our entire podcast back catalogue in two weeks two weeks that's like 25 or 30 hours of listening although she did say that she drives a lot also other mentions to natasha tatton from bread Pete Metcalf from VegFest UK, Susan Joyce from Little Green Pigeon, Annette and Graham Henry from Henry and Henry, Laura Chepner from Primary of Education, and many, many more who have reached out recently just to tell us that they're regular listeners and really enjoying the podcast. Because we know we do have listeners because we see the download statistics, but it always makes a real difference when somebody reaches out and says hello because then you're not just a number on an analytics dashboard we know that you're a real amazing vegan business owner and to be honest we want to know more about you and the best way to reach out is to go beyond this podcast and connect with our community of like-minded vegan entrepreneurs over on veganbusinesstribe.com because that isn't just where you can link up with myself and Lisa if you're looking for support. It's also where you can get support from other vegan business owners just like you. And they might be in the UK, in the US, in Australia, in Canada, in Singapore. And we've also just got our first member in Zambia. So just to add to the shout outs, a hello to Florence from Eden Home Foods. We're doing amazing things in driving the African vegan scene forwards. And we're always really grateful to our members because they are the people who mean we can keep recording this podcast every week and putting out all our content and running our vegan business clinics and just generally doing everything we can to support vegan businesses worldwide. Now, today we're discussing a topic that started out actually as a footnote in our How to Promote Your Vegan Business marketing course over on the VBT website. And if you've not checked out the marketing course yet, then do go take a look after you finish listening. But when we wrote this course and I was going back and editing it, I started thinking about the language I'd been using while writing it. 
Now, you have to remember, I've spent a lot of time waist deep in the marketing sector. I studied marketing. I've taught marketing. I was even an ambassador for the Chartered Institute of Marketing in my previous life. So I don't actually give a lot of thought to the language I use. It's just accepted business language. But it wasn't until, just going back and editing the course, that I spotted I'd used the phrase guinea pig when talking about testing a concept. And that really made me start to think about the language I was using. I mean, the concept of a guinea pig, that directly relates to animal testing. And here was I writing a marketing course for vegan businesses and using a throwaway term such as that. But I had used it because everyone knew what I meant by it. It's shorthand. And if I said to you that I was looking for a guinea pig for my new service or my new course, you would know exactly what I meant, that I wanted somebody to test it out on. But you can no longer actually find a guinea pig in the wild. The only place you will find them is as a pet or a companion animal or in a laboratory. And that phrase, looking for a guinea pig, that just normalises using animals to test on. And this led me to think deeper about the other language I was using. And I discovered that a lot of the language we use in business in general is definitely not vegan friendly. We talk about strategy and tactics, for example, and these are terms that come directly from the language of war, from mapping out the battlefield. But other business terms that are really commonplace today hide their original animal-based origin. As an example, let's think about the word branding. Now, in a business sense, your brand is how you present your company. It includes your logo and the colours you use. And we all use it because, well, just like guinea pig, the term has a lot of weight and recognition to it. If I talk about a brand, you're probably aware that doesn't just mean someone's logo. It means a company's brand voice. It means the colours you use on your packaging, the words you have on your website. All this has been really neatly encapsulated into that one little word, a brand. But originally, the word comes from the Norse word brander, which means to burn, because branding was a practice of burning marks of ownership into the skin of animals with a red-hot implement. You burned your mark onto the side of your cows, so if somebody stole them or they wandered off, then you could easily identify that they were yours. Each owner or ranch or farm, they had their own unique mark, which is where the concept of a brand or a logo comes from. Now later, the same process was then used to burn company marks and names onto the side of wooden packaging boxes, which is where it then links with a modern day use. But making marks of ownership by scarring an animal's skin with a heated implement, i.e. exactly what the word means, branding an animal, it is still forced upon animals across the world today, and it is an act of violence and abuse. So how comfortable does that leave us using the word as a vegan business when we talk about branding a company 
once you've realised where the word comes from. Now, I know that some of you will be rolling your eyes right now, and don't for one minute think that I'm saying that if you use the term branding, it means that you're not vegan or you just don't care, because I've used the term myself all the time. I know many vegan branding specialists, but even that phrase, a vegan branding specialist, once you make the connection with where that word comes from, all of a sudden... A vegan branding specialist, well, that becomes a little bit of an oxymoron. Because branding is also an act of violence and exploitation against an animal. So it doesn't sit comfortably next to the word vegan. Or do we just say that the word has now been reclaimed, that it now has a different meaning? And if you are indeed rolling your eyes right now, then I agree that no vegan will ever be offended by you using the word branding. But language which normalises using animals as commodities, or language which is accepting of animals just being there for us to hunt or capture or kill and eat, that is part of the problem. We've seen the same with many great movements. If you look at race equality or socioeconomic equality, gender equality, sexual equality and many others. In each movement, addressing language use has been a big part of enabling change to happen. The use of phrases that originated in the slave era have since been re-examined. Sayings that are inherently sexist or ableist that may have been commonplace when I was younger, they have been very rightly dropped. And the reason for this is because the language we use is important. Now, back in 1970, British philosopher Richard Ryder was an early advocate of a modern animal rights movement and the first person to popularise the concept of speciesism. Now, speciesism refers to the idea that we believe that the human species is inherently superior to all others, meaning that we have rights and privileges that others don't. And when you look at a lot of the language that we use, that is actually really apparent. How many times have you said there's more than one way to skin a cat? How many times have you used the word pig or cow as a derogatory term? Our choice of language is powerful because it normalises behaviours and attitudes. Language helps us understand what is wrong and what is right. Language controls our narrative as a culture. And if that culture is outdated, then it's up to us to lead the way to change it, as we have seen many great movements do. So this is all very interesting commentary. But how does this apply to our business? Well, I have to admit, I was in two minds about whether to talk about this as a podcast episode. Because, well, gosh, can you imagine the newspaper headlines? Vegans want to ban the word branding because it's cruel to animals. But I'm a big advocate that when you have a vegan business, it's your ethics that separate you from non-vegan competitors, but also connect you with your customers. And actually being able to prove those ethics 
is a big part of what we do as vegan businesses. So a few episodes ago, we talked about how to make sure that your business is actually vegan. And although we focused mainly on making sure that the ingredients in any food products you might be making were indeed vegan, we also spoke about going further, improving your vegan credentials as a business. So is the hand wash in your washroom cruelty-free and not tested on animals? Do you buy your services from other vegan businesses rather than non-vegan ones to keep the money that your vegan customers pay you in the veg economy? And the language that your business uses is also another thing you can use to prove your vegan credentials. So a non-vegan company might talk about bringing home the bacon as a way of talking about providing for your family. But all that does is reinforce pigs as being a commodity or something that's there just for us to kill and eat. But as a vegan company, instead of saying bringing home the bacon, we can say bringing home the bagels instead. And this seems such a small change, but it's a significant one. For your vegan customers, it's replacing a very obvious non-vegan phrase and just letting them know that you share their ethics, that you're on the same page that they are. But for your non-vegan customers, it's also that little bit of nudging and educating. In the same way you can work to bring about animal alternative products, you can also subvert your language and use animal alternative terms and phrases that normalises veganism instead. Because a lot of the animal-based phrases we use are so disconnected from what they actually mean that they have completely normalised the concepts they are talking about. You might be in a meeting with a customer and say that an idea that you've just come up with will kill two birds with one stone. That's a phrase that many of us use regularly. It just means to solve two problems with one action. But just stop and think about what's actually coming out of your mouth there because it's actually horrendous. Do you normally condone killing birds well if you're listening to this podcast then i'm guessing probably not but it's a phrase that you've probably been familiar with since childhood but not only is killing two birds with one stone saying that hunting and killing animals is a good thing it's actually saying that if you can do it really efficiently then that's even better i mean swap out the words birds with dogs and stone with bullets, and you have a very different sentence that would be hugely distasteful to say in, well, in any context, but especially a business one. But it actually would be the same phrase. And this issue that we come up against with language is the same as we come up against in veganism in general. The use of animals as commodities has been normalised and separated out, and this is shown in the language we use. And this language has been baked into us since we first learned to talk. 
you might have even done this yourself. And we've seen this in our Vegan Business Tribe networking meetups. But someone will use an obviously non-vegan phrase like putting all your eggs in one basket or going the whole hog. Then they realise what they've just said and they try and backpedal to correct themselves. I do it myself. And you could probably go back through past episodes of this podcast and pick out phrases that I've used that are not really that vegan friendly just because they're standard phrases or business language. And we talk about tracking customers. We talk about finding a hook for your marketing message, about luring visitors to our website, about fishing for leads. These are all hunting phrases and using them, well, it normalises the idea of catching and killing animals. And you might say, well, there's nothing in those phrases that specifically talks about hunting animals. Well, if you think normalising hunting people is okay, then maybe you need to take a moment out and think about the ethical connotations of that too. And although there are other terms that we can use, So, a designer can say visual identity instead of branding. These terms don't always carry the same kind of recognition and weight. But maybe that's an opportunity for you to come up with your own word or phrase that is just as punchy. Can you veganise the term branding? Can we start calling our company logos and colour schemes our vigentity, for instance? And the great thing is if you do this, it then allows you to have some really interesting follow-up conversations about why you're using that term. For example, one of the best vegan businesses that I know for converting more people to veganism is Blonde's Cruelty-Free Eatery in Hull here in the UK. Now, it's a vegan cafe, but they don't say that. Instead, they say they're a cruelty-free cafe because then a new customer wants to know what that means. And hang on a moment, why would other cafes not be cruelty-free? And to me, that's the real reason that we should take more notice of the language we use in our vegan businesses. And as a vegan business owner, The language we use is an opportunity to educate. Because remember, most of us start a vegan business in the first place because we want to help move towards a vegan world. And for many of us, having a vegan business is our activism. And purposely being aware of the language we use can bring attention to that. So the next time you're talking to a customer, instead of just saying the world is your oyster, say the world is your oyster mushroom and see what reaction you get to that. Instead of talking about beating a dead horse as a way of talking about doing something which is futile, try talking about feeding a fed horse to get the same point across. And when somebody says that there are bigger fish to fry, correct them. You mean there are bigger fish to free because we are a vegan company after all. And this kind of thinking, this can be a part of your vegan business in the same way that you make sure that your business cards are printed, not using inks that have animal ingredients in them. We should look to do the same with the language and the phrases we use too. 
Because the further you look into the language we use in business, just like milk powder, you find unwelcome animal derivatives. Nobody really wants to skin a cat or break a camel's back. So why use these phrases? And whenever I've talked about this with other vegan business owners and our members at Vegan Business Tribe, and I've usually spoken about it on the back of that footnote that I wrote in the marketing course on language, then I've got nothing but positive feedback about the idea. Because again, we recognise that language is powerful. But that then leads to the question, how do we do this? How do we change our language? And this is the issue, because we don't always realise that we're using a non-vegan term a lot of the time, because we've been using them since we were children. But you were probably eating animals since you were a child also, but you managed to change that with a bit of effort too. So we can learn some good alternatives that we can use and start dropping those into conversation or use them in your marketing materials until they become second nature. You can also just remove certain phrases entirely. So instead of talking about an opportunity being a cash cow, you might just talk about it being a money-making opportunity. But I think that it's actually more fun to make it obvious that you've removed a non-vegan phrase. So instead of talking about don't put all your eggs in one basket, change that to don't put all your berries in one basket. People will see what you've done there and probably think that it's quite clever. When you talk about how you had to make yourself stop checking your social media notifications so often, talk about how you went cold tofu instead of cold turkey, which I guarantee is a phrase that will make the vegans in your audience smile. Talk about going on a wild gooseberry chase with your last business idea instead of a wild goose chase, and try and put some animal positive phrases in there too. For example, I often say, make sure you don't throw the piglet out with the bathwater instead of throw the baby out. And people just get that I'm on the same vegan page that they are. But to come back to that original question that we started with, should we feel obliged to do this? Well, veganism is a journey. We always say this. When someone first turns vegan, they start with the food they eat because that's the obvious place to start. But then you look at the clothes you wear, what cosmetics you use, and at some point you start to become aware of your vocabulary also. And doing so is an amazing way to connect with your vegan customers in a way that a non-vegan never could, but also to make your non-vegan customers think. If you come up with a really good alternative, vegan positive way to say something, like if you are a vegan brand consultant and you come up with a better phrase than I have so far that is uniquely yours to talk about branding, you might even get known for that phrase too and get your customers using it as well. And this is a conversation that 
I'd actually like to continue beyond this podcast because in many ways, we're in uncharted territory right now with vegan businesses. We are still learning what makes a company vegan. We are still working out what it fully means to be a vegan business and what separates our business from ones that are not. And the language that we use, that plays a part in that. So, Am I suggesting that you now need to go back through your website and make sure that you remove any wording that could be construed as non-vegan? Do you need to audit your presentation slides in case you've accidentally slipped in a phrase that has animal origins? Well, maybe, but not out of fear of offending someone because we already love you. You're a vegan business, but to help you better connect with your audience. Yes, if you have indeed used the phrase guinea pig like I did, then when you read that back, it jumps out at you as overtly non-vegan and you want to swap that out. And I, I think I just swapped it out to say test audience or something like that. But maybe see if you can slip some of those pro-vegan alternative phrases in there too. So to wrap up, Let's just take a look back about what we've been talking about and what the main takeaway points have been about what language you use in your business and is it vegan? Number one, a lot of language we use every day in business is not always that vegan friendly. In fact, when we talk about tactics and strategies and winning battles, that's actually the language of war. Point two, some language that we use in business comes with negative connotations that have been overlooked. For example, if we are a vegan business, are we comfortable using a term like branding that originates from burning an animal with a mark to show that we own it? Or can we come up with something better? And in fact, I might actually challenge a couple of the vegan branding experts I know to attack that one. Point three, the reason that it is important is because our choice of language is powerful. It normalizes behavior and attitudes. Language helps us understand what is right and what is wrong. Language controls our narrative as a culture. And that's something that we really want to influence as vegan businesses. Point four, using vegan alternative phrases such as feeding two birds with one scone or don't put all your berries in one basket that actually proves to your vegan customers that you're on the same page that they are but it also gives your non-vegan customers pause for thought about what a phrase such as killing two birds with one stone actually means point five the language you use can be part of your activism as a vegan business. You can use it to make your customers reconsider our relationship with animals. It can be an education opportunity. And on the flip side, you can also use vegan positive alternative phrases to entertain and make sure that you're remembered. And point six, it is worth doing an audit of the words you use on your website and in your marketing material with all this in mind. As I said, not out of fear of offending, but to actually connect better with your audience. 
and now I've got to the end of this session. I'm, I'm actually really glad that I decided to run with this as a topic or that I took the flower by the thorns instead of the pull by the horns, we could say. I do want to continue this conversation beyond this podcast. So connect with me on LinkedIn or send us an email at veganbusinesstribe.com and tell me what you think about the language we use in our vegan businesses. Is this something that we should talk more about or were you one of those people rolling your eyes throughout this? Has this session got you thinking? Or perhaps you already do this and you've already come up with some great alternatives that you already use in your business, especially on that branding one. Please reach out and tell me about it. And just before we wrap up, Leisha and I do really want you to connect with us. If you've got a vegan business or you're involved in the vegan business scene, I mean, talking about the language we use, Leisha and I don't think that vegan businesses should be the ones to carry a label. Why should we have to point out that our businesses don't cause harm to animals? It are the businesses who are not vegan that should have to carry a warning. But the only way we're going to get there is if we support and skill up the vegan business community to have a bigger impact on the marketplace. So if you have a vegan business or you just think about starting one and you are looking for support or just to meet other people on the same journey as you, then do go check us out at veganbusinesstribe.com because you can join as a member for £12.99 a month to get access to the full community and support. Or slightly softer sell, if you're not quite ready yet, then join us as a fan for free. And that's where you just sign up to get our weekly email and our weekly content. And also, if you don't need the support at the moment, but you like what we're doing at Vegan Business Tribe and you just want to give back, then you can also join us as a Vegan Business Tribe patron or a sponsor. And you will find full details of that on the website too. Now, one last thing before I let you go, because there's one thing you can do to support us that will cost you nothing but a little bit of your time. If you found this podcast useful, then I would just really love if you could help us get it into the ears and the minds of more vegan business owners just like yourself. Our listening figures, they're really starting to grow now, but Every extra vegan business we can reach and support, that is another step towards this vegan world that we're all looking to create. So if you can leave a five-star review, if your podcast platform lets you leave one, that lets people know that this podcast is worth listening to. Or if you know any other vegan businesses, then please do send them a link to this podcast with your glowing recommendation that they should listen. And I will be forever in your gratitude. Okay, that's it. Thank you for listening. And I mean that. I genuinely appreciate you giving me your time to listen every week. I hope we do see you over on the website too. Or send me an email or a LinkedIn request if you want to continue this conversation. And I will see you on the next one. <laughs>